Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to this edition of How Bitches Are Made, the prequel to How Bastards Are Made. We are rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody. You took the pill, too? (laughs) (laughs) Good one, good one. Thank you, thank you. Usually it takes me listening to these back to hear your jokes, but I was right here with you this time. Look at this. We're connected. Yeah. All right. How are you feeling, Kevin? Feeling pretty good. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got finished listening to a wonderful podcast. <laughs> Kevin's really behind on our episodes. I am. I am. I haven't gotten to the vagina one yet. Yeah, I spared him that. No, you better believe I'm listening to it. <laughs> you want to know all about my vagina? <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's Even a place he hasn't ventured to yet. You constantly talk to me about it, but yeah. I don't. I'm not one of those girls. No, you just tell the world through podcasts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You don't even know what that episode's about, which is what's funny. The gynecologist? Yeah. I think you talked to me about it. Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Anyway. Did you Did you throw in the purple hair joke? Um, I don't remember if I uh, added that in the commentary or not, actually. All right. Yeah. When my gynecologist was like, you could dye it purple. I wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. And then Kevin's like, you really should. I'd just be dyeing my skin. Oh! oh! Hey, but now that guy on Tinder knows my situation. <laughs> Wait, which guy? Oh, Tinder? that's an inside joke that you're an outside of because you didn't listen to the episode. So I see, people, didn't. this is what happens when you skip episodes. Are you sending purple badge pics to Tinder? No. Guys? No. Anyway. Still? All right, let's talk about you're this episode. still doing that? <laughs> Speaking of Tinder. Uh, okay. So, Kevin, you heard my perspective of how we met and where I was psychologically. I did. It was It was pretty dead on. Oh, was, from your perception? Yeah, yeah. Really? It's so funny. You, you're you just the type of person that has a way better recollection of life. Shocking. In general. Uh, at the time we first met, I think we were working on 10,000 projects. I couldn't tell you what we were working on. Like the fact that your parents were in town, Laura mm-hmm. was in town. You had a very specific thing you were working on. The mantle. Well, I had mile markers, so to speak, in the form of Laura and my parents in yeah. the holiday and yeah, James and I were a shit show. <laughs> we're a total shit show. Aren't you still? Yeah. Yeah, that's why yeah. I love you. So yeah. I get along. 10 projects all at once. <laughs> Home Depot 15 times oh a day. Oh my God. By the way, I love that in the story, I was like, I was going to Home Depot for the last time. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. How's that working out for you? We are there like three times a day. Yeah. Don't we have to run back there today? For no. Something? But, oh, but you, you went yesterday oh, and I went yesterday. Yeah. That's only two. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not awful, but it's Um, not great. I wholeheartedly disagree with you on if you know what you're doing, you get out of there in 10 minutes. There's no fucking way. Because even the most professional 
something will break. You'll need a new crimp. You'll need a, you know, an extra length of pipe. It's bananas. Yeah, but speaking of bananas, I'm chomping on some delicious banana bread that oh, yeah. I've been made. Um, mm. No, but the joke was to imply that most contractors get in who are licensed professionals and right. know what they're doing. They get in and out of there before 7 a.m. and then they're just working on site all day. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. With our little projects, it's 10,000 times a month. We're in a conundrum here because if Kevin agrees with me, that's implying that we're not professional. (laughs) (laughs) We're always riding the line. No, the difference is we don't have an entire team. Uh, A team would be different. No, the difference is we're not boring. Our (laughs) projects are super creative and we get, we just, you know, change our minds and we we dip and dive. That is the problem. Like, Like, ooh, this would be way cooler. Well, that's what you do with my ideas. You always expound upon them. And then I feel like that's starting to rub off on me now. So I start to do that with your ideas. And it is very annoying because we do a lot of things. But that's that's the catch-22 with a living where your construction site is. Because we'll design things and then we're like living in them. And we're like, like, for instance, we just installed this bathtub, which you guys will, sorry for the chewing, but I'm actually not sorry at all because this is delicious. Next year, when we start showing you guys all the projects that we've been working on, you'll see this clawfoot tub that we bought. Always been my dream to like redo a clawfoot tub. We got it for $25 down in Yukaipa. Heavy as fuck, but somehow Kevin and I loaded it into a pickup truck. Cast iron. Yeah. It's heavy stuff. No joke. And um, we refinished it and then we had to make room for it behind our house. We had to cut into this hillside, so then we had to build a retaining wall and do all the plumbing and all this stuff. Kevin, Which we originally weren't going to do. I think you were like, oh, the bathtub will fit here. And I'm like, no, we oh, need right. space. We need, right. you know. You so expounded upon the, that. Yeah, the pickaxe And then I was like, out. well, if we're going to do that, let's do this cool stone wall that I've been like, seeing. Let's do it. Crazy. Yeah. So then we did that. And then I'm going to turn my mic down, actually. I'm getting a little loud. And so so we did the wall and then Kevin did all the plumbing and then we're taking a bath finally and we're like, you know what? This should be facing the other direction. Yeah. Why is it facing this way? <laughs> so then we replumbed the whole thing because it looked good the way we did it, but it didn't feel as good when you were actually in the tub. So like things like that happen all the time. Yeah. And I think the whole point, I mean, I'm very functionality. You're very design. Yeah. So... You, you didn't even want me to hook up the bathtub because you were like, no, like I want to paint it. I don't want to, you know, do this twice. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine. So I plumbed it all. And then I'm sitting in the bathtub and I'm like, damn it, she's right. <laughs> it needs to go the other way. Because I plumbed it all backwards because I was like, oh, yeah, this will be a great view. So the moral oh. of the story is act like you're actually going to be using it functionally before you actually make it permanent. Yeah. That is funny, though, because you'll move into houses and you'll be like, why did they do this? Because they weren't living in it to actually know it was practical. Like, yeah. you can think you know it's practical, but until you're actually living in it, you you'll, you could be surprised. Yeah. So yeah. anybody who's doing like a bathtub or shower or anything like that, get naked, be in the space, <laughs> feel it out. If you can fill it with hot water, it's better because it's getting cold outside. Oh, my gosh. It's so freaking cold. It like went, it went from summer to like Arctic tundra winter in a matter of seconds. People, people in Alaska are like, what do you know about Arctic tundras? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) I grew up in Phoenix. But when the wind picks up here, oh God, 30 degrees feels like negative 30 degrees. It's It's rough. But anyway, okay. So back, back to the story, the whole reason why we're here today. Oh yeah. So you wanted to hear about the Heathrow airport reference. Yeah. Yeah. That was like an inside joke with myself. Yeah. (laughs) I 
I found it funny that you started laughing and I was like, what did I miss? Okay, so my friend Blake Barris got married in Ireland and I went to his wedding and I went by myself and I was like, well, fuck it. If I'm going to be in Europe, I'm just going to make a trip out of it. So after Ireland, I went to London because I really wanted to go to London. It was like, I don't know. I just, I feel this kindred spirit with the spirits of Londoners and English yeah. people. So, well, that's where you fly into, right? You, when you well, went to Ireland? Oh, there's or? a hummingbird outside <gasps> right above our bathtub. How magical. Oh my gosh. That is magical. <laughs> he a cute one. Uh, sorry, ADD. Um, <laughs> No, I I went to London because I really wanted to go, but I, I flew into Ireland first and then I flew into Heathrow and then I flew out of Heathrow. And Heathrow is like very big and you have to take uh, the tube, but there's like different terminals. So your yeah. tube stops are different, right? And if you like miss your tube stop, you missed your flight. All I know of London is the airport. Oh, right. I never, never left the airport. Well, long time I, went. I did my due diligence. I believed I knew what terminal I was flying out of and then um, got out on the one that it said it was and then they told me that my my gate had changed and it was in a different terminal and I was like there's no way I was making it yeah. so then I was like running to try to catch the tube and I like people weren't getting out of my way and I totally <laughs> did you run down an old man no, oh. a woman. Oh, no. <laughs> she wasn't old, though. She was, like, slightly older than us, like, maybe oh, okay. 15 years. She could handle it. And then I, I tripped over her bag, and I just, like, fell and, like, flew and made this oh, whole no. scene. But I did catch my flight. Nice. I always love that. because you can... People running in airports and yeah. fucking tripping? Yeah. It's, like, so magical. Because I grew up, like, in airports. That was... My mom was flying oh, right. home for 30 years, and... It was always so funny because it was always effortless for us. And I know everyone's thinking I'm an asshole right now, but it was. It was like, <laughs> we'd show up, we'd be getting coffee, you know, like every everything was fine because we were so used to being in airports all the time. But you'd always see that person just trucking because they were like, shit, I'm late. I didn't know security was going to take this long or, or gate change or, you know, they really have to go to the bathroom. I don't know what they're doing, but it's they hilarious to just see. Yeah. <laughs> You see, yeah. like, people milling about, and then one person just... Yeah, there's a reason they say you don't run in public places. It ends badly sometimes, most times. <laughs> it was really, really humiliating. <laughs> but you made it. You're but back. I made it. I made it out alive. Yeah. Anyhow, okay, so that's that story. So I guess I have some questions for you. All right, I have some answers. So in the commentary of the episode that we just heard, that part one... I talk about this moment when I had the um, the audition come in and I like freaked out and I tell our audience that it was a very, very poignant moment that we're going to circle back to in the next episode, which we do. Um, you had a take on how I reacted in that moment. I did. And you were the one that thought I was a hot-headed actress, <laughs> not James. Well, I did always say I am never dating another actress. Because that was kind of my world. I dated a couple actresses, and oh wait, let's uh, let's make you sound even more like an asshole. I mean, Kevin worked in casting, and he was surrounded by beautiful models all day. But God, were they so boring! And he was so sick of dating beautiful women. <laughs> I would never say that. You don't have to. I said it for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> that was interesting because yeah, we we had been out here for what only a few months, right? Here's was weird and actually I didn't know this at the time or the time of recording these until James just came over a couple days ago and 
like you guys bought that house the same month and year that I bought mine. Yeah. Within days, it seems like. That's so funny. It was April yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, so funny. Talk pretty... about kismet. 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 I think I had been around so much stress in LA. Just like people are always so wrapped up in their own bullshit. And I was lo- no different. <laughs> you were no different. You weren't. <laughs> I'm, true. I'm such like a calm person and like there's always a solution to the problem. And I think that night I was going through some crazy stuff with my ex-girlfriend that just kept escalating and escalating. And I was out of the relationship and trying to get as far away from it as possible. So I think seeing you get all fired up and you were like angry and we were like, no, it's not that bad. Like shit happens. Like we'll get it done. We can record this. We can, you know, have fun with it. Like we're here. Like you had a little trigger. I, I had a little trigger and then you left and I was like, Whew, I don't want to be around anymore. But of that. weren't you but okay, but you have told me that when we met at Home Depot that just like from my perspective, Laura had noticed you guys, you had noticed us. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I'd noticed you guys behind us, especially when you said that you had a splinter. And I turned to James and I was like, James has like the most perfect manicured nails, very long, and he's picked splinters out of my hands That's and funny, arms. I never noticed his nails. Oh, he's got great nails. Now I have to look at them yeah. next time. Yeah, you do. Okay. Like little razor blades. But he used to always pick <laughs> out splinters. I don't know if I would describe that as a nice manicure then. <laughs> I don't know what a manicure is. That's okay. Apparently. But yeah, he used to always like get splinters out just with his fingernails. And I was like, dude, she's got a, she's got a splinter. And so then that's when he went over to you and was like, hey, I can get that out. And then he was saying tweezers. But I think he was saying that because he didn't want to be weird. Like picking out with his nails you know? oh oh funny <laughs> so which think, is so great because i was like it's not weird at all right yeah to little me. did we know yeah how weird you are but it's only because he looked like leonardo dicaprio yeah yeah <laughs> he's a sexy beast <laughs> <laughs> wait okay so this so this is my question that night when we all went out to the saloon mm-hmm. what was going through your head like i guess what i'm asking is why did you guys ask us out well that's kind of what we're doing all the time because we were in the first few months of being out there and we had already made some friends with like the people we were working with and we didn't have a place to cook. So we were going out almost every night. We were going to the saloon and saloon. I got so sick of it because it's the same garbage, you know, bar food, which is fine on occasion, but it was, it's, it was yeah. tough to kind of, kind of like when we, um, started this place and we were cooking on that little camp stove oh my gosh before our, our <laughs> yeah. stove came in you know yeah our stove that took four months to be delivered yeah that sucked yeah so it wasn't it wasn't weird for us just going out to the saloon but like having you guys there it was like cool great i was exhausted i was like because we've just been working and sleeping and you know the bitter heat like it was so hot and we were sleeping in tents in the backyard i don't know if we were at that point yeah because it was september it was still hot yeah yeah so we were sleeping in tents in the backyard while the house was being demoed and you know redone so it was super fun to like meet new friends and like go out and i had no expectations because i was getting out of that relationship i didn't want to be anywhere near you know romantic involvement in any way (laughs) shape or form so i was very just open about the whole thing and laura was a fucking trip yeah no laura was super outgoing i on the other hand was like fucking fort knox (laughs) you were i think you said to me later you were like you didn't even look at me (laughs) i was like this girl is like i am closed for business leave me alone moody (laughs) like well i think i think because i wasn't looking for anything 
I was just being myself, just normal, bubbly, like, you know, having conversation. And I really enjoyed Laura in that fact because Laura was the same way. It didn't seem like she was trying to flirt or hit on me or anything. No, or she's James. a total guy's girl too. She's like yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was good conversation. But yeah, you you wouldn't talk to me or look at me. And I was like, this is so strange. I think it was just, it's just hard. I don't know if it's like this for guys because you were talking about, like the timing is such an interesting thing. We keep talking about timing these latest episodes. But we were, unbeknownst to each other, going through... The exact same thing. The almost. exact same thing. Yeah. And it's interesting because your way of dealing with it was so vastly different than mine. Like I outwardly wanted people to know that I was like off the market because I didn't want to invite anything in that I wasn't strong enough to handle because what would happen in those situations was I would just compare everybody to my ex. And because of where I was in the process of healing, no one looked as good as my ex. So it only made me miss them more. And it's, it's one of those weird things where like, sure, if I was a different person and wired differently, you and I could have just hooked up, but like very doubtful that we'd be engaged right now. Yeah, and I we wouldn't have hooked up because I wasn't... I, oh, really? Yeah, well, because I wasn't in that Just place. Kidding. You weren't in that place. It was like you were comparing everybody to your ex, whereas if I saw a sign of my ex in somebody, I'd just be like, okay, we can we can talk and hang out tonight. I know you're not my ex, but that's energy that I'm not going to yeah, go forward Yeah, that you actively with. avoided. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just so funny though, because you were so outgoing and bubbly that I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed, in other words, I'm the annoying seemed, guy at the bar. No, you're not. It's It seemed like you were not getting, that's why it was really interesting when James was like, sorry, my friend is being so weird. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, he's totally normal. And, and it was really when James said all that, like he, like, oddly enough, it was coming more from James than you, like that you were interested in hooking up with me. Oh, he was making it sound like He was like trying that? to like take care of you like a good wingman or whatever and like help you like move on, I think, from your ex. Right. When he didn't realize that's exactly what I didn't need. Right. But my perception of that information was that like you'd put him up to it and I was like, fucking stop. You know what I mean? And unbeknownst to me, he was doing that. Like he didn't right. even let me in on the no, secret. No, he's, he's <laughs> very sly that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that was the first impression. And then you and I didn't. Well, and what? even that night. James left for he a did. good amount of time. He had to go pick up uh, his boyfriend or something yeah. at the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And so we had, I don't know. Just the three of us. Yeah. That was fucking An awkward. Hour or something. It was like, all right, where the fuck is Yeah, it? I'm sorry I sucked so bad back then. No, you're beautiful. But this is why timing is so important. And like, you know, healing is really important because you can be totally giving off the wrong impression of where you are at in life to someone else and then miss opportunities. I have a question. Yeah. Okay. It would have been very different if your dad had come to Home Depot with you because you guys all would have been kind of the three of you and like probably wouldn't have talked to us at all. Dad would have been a cock block for sure. He would have been a cock block. Yeah. Which I would have preferred at the time, but glad in retrospect that he wasn't. Or what if he got the splinter? And then I was picking. And then the James hit of, on him anyway. Yeah. James is so convinced everyone's dad's a little gay. <laughs> he would have been trying. He'd have been like, mm, "I bet you, I bet you'd explore." He's so funny. Yeah, but then James would have tried to set me up with your dad, and it would have been really awkward. <laughs> I didn't want any of that. Yeah. Uh, but after you left the 
saloon and went back home, what'd you tell your parents? I don't know if we've talked about this. I don't even know if it, it was much of a conversation. I think it was just like, do you guys have fun? I was like, yeah, fine. I mean, I think what was really fascinating about the whole thing, to be honest with you, I don't even remember the next time that James and I met up. Yeah. But I think for me, it's interesting. Parts one and two of this story are so different because part one is really more about James for me. And oh, part for sure. two is more about you and the awakening that I had. But it was like this great chemistry. I felt we. I've you talked found about a best friend. I found like a best friend, and I've talked a about desert this husband. A lot about. Yeah. I've talked a lot about this on the podcast. Where like, that was almost taking precedence to finding a life partner, which most people marry their best friend. That makes sense. But for me, I always wanted both. Right. You know, yeah. I wanted my friend that I could get a, get away with from my husband eventually, like when I needed to. And then my best friend in the form of a husband, but I I never very healthy. And my issue was I've always had trouble with female relationships always. And not because from my perspective, which I know is very convenient, not because of anything I feel like I've done. I think a lot of times People don't trust me. And the irony is, <laughs> is they should. I am like yeah. so brutally honest that people are suspicious of that or yeah. they think it's like a manipulation on my part or whatever. And it's like something I've dealt with, this like revolving door of friends ever since I was young. And my mom's also observed it too. She's always like, you always put out more than you get. And I was like, oh, you don't know the half of it. No, <laughs> I put out daily. <laughs> No, and and I think I was always like looking. I didn't want to be one of those girls who just had guys as friends because that was like a weird stigma too. Right. But I never considered option three, the other white meat, so to speak, a gay man. But I think even for girls, finding the right kind of gay dude is like hard because like you gotta click as friends. Like it's gotta be. I don't mean that the way it sounds, but you know, there's like different kinds of people and like. Oh, yeah. Like, James is a very straight gay guy. So he's not, like, in other words, he's not overly feminine. He is masculine. But I'm not overly feminine. I'm more masculine. So, like, he he just happened to be the right balance for me. But, like, I could talk to him like a girlfriend because we're both interested in guys. So it, it was kind of just this, like, ah, oh, epiphany moment where I was like, a gay dude. Duh. <laughs> well, and the funniest part is didn't when you record the whole intro to this thing like a gay bestie yeah right you hadn't met us yet this was all before all that yeah that's true yeah and so you were looking and i was i was i was looking for my gay bestie Yeah. yeah so i think for like this story i was really i was really intrigued by james and the very interesting thing about james is what i just said he's not overly feminine so there were many times where i was like finding myself kind of attracted to him but like at the same time, not like it it was this weird thing where I was like, is he gay? Like my gaydar is spot on. But like there were times where I thought he was like flirting with me or into me. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm into <laughs> it. And then I came to realize like James is bi. <laughs> yeah. So really the trick is finding a bi friend. James is just a lover. Yeah, no, he's, he's great. So yes, he and I became desert wife and desert husband, which was really, really fun because it was like we could make sexual jokes, but we both knew that we yeah, meant nothing no tension, by them. Yeah. yeah. Right. So so it was like a really comfortable, disarming environment. And 
Um, and we would just like, it was so stupid, but we'd go to Applebee's because that's like the fanciest place out here. And we'd dress up in our fur coats and we'd go there and sit at the bar and we felt so stupid, but like, we just had but the best time. Right. Yeah. He really just became somebody that like, I really, really appreciated and came to love and was just immensely grateful for having met. And so it was really all about James in the beginning for me. We talked about Mark Kapka kind of being my alpha male and helping me get from relationship A to relationship B healthily. And I think think James kind of inadvertently became that without me needing that, so to speak. And it was something that gave life to your desert home. Because, you know, when you were in L.A., you had your Mark Hapkas and your friends and stuff. And then you come out to the desert and you had your house. But your house isn't a home if you can't share it with anyone. That's true. And I'd I'd had that realization earlier in the year. But I I also think that this was the first time I'd, I'd, and I mean this with the utmost respect to everybody that I've been friends with. And I'm certainly no exception. But I think it was the first time I met someone healthy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, where it wasn't talking shit about things or it was always good positive conversation or yeah it, it was just fun and I don't yeah. think I'd ever been in any kind of relationship where drama wasn't involved right yeah. and I think that's also why that night when I had the freak out it became very confronting that I was dramatic like it, it I had problems right. which I already yeah. knew but now it was but like you wouldn't have noticed that in LA because everybody everyone does acts that, that way like, right yeah. and again I'm not like I'm not judging it's just the nature of no. the city it I would is. act that way in LA too. Yeah. Not not as much, but yeah, like when stressful stuff came up, it was almost easier to bitch about it. Like, oh, here we go again. Right. This is the next thing. That, like, well, okay. I mean, I came up with this whole, di- whole idea in LA because of that. It was like every day I'd be so pissed that someone did something to wrong me. Right. And I was like, I need to fucking write about it. And then like it became this beautiful kind of therapeutic thing where I was like, oh, this is how I work with this in a healthy manner. But also, this is what, we've talked about this a lot, just privately. Like, it drives me crazy. Like, Joshua Tree is, like, now, quote, unquote, on the map. Like, everyone's coming here. A lot of people are coming here from L.A. because of the pandemic. And it's, like, all fine and great. But what's what really just chaps my ass and gets <laughs> under my skin is that people really have no tr- generalization. Some people are the exception. But a lot of people have no fucking clue what this place is really about. They come here and they bring their L.A. shit. It's like, oh, this is the archetype of the Joshua Tree life as depicted on Instagram. And then they come here in what I describe as costumes. And they like they think they're living the Joshua Tree life. And they're really bringing everything out here that people moved here to get away from. Right. For sure. And it's it's really challenging. Like I talk about that night at the saloon feeling like a party whose word failed to get out. Certainly doesn't feel that way now. No. Yeah. And and that's sad because as much as I said that to make it sound like, you know, pathetic, like that's what I loved about it is yeah. it is a very small town and you like come here. Sleepy vibes and like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you come, you come here to disconnect. You don't have devices. You come out here to be outdoors. There's vortices. There's sound baths. It's like a very healing place. And part of the reason I was drawn here is there's an article I read about how like this one woman, she wrote it so perfectly. She's like, a lot of people think you go to the desert to die. For me, I came here to be resurrected and reborn. And I, that just resonated with me so much. And I, you know, I came out here at a very hard time in life and I grew exponentially into someone that I've never been, someone I'm way prouder of being now. But I think that um, it's that was the appeal to me when I first saw James is it was like another person 
like me, meaning from LA. So they had that city background, which is a part of me and it is important. But he had that kind of understanding of what the desert really is. And he really embodied yeah, the awareness that. of your surroundings and not yeah. like not your digital surroundings. Yeah. He wasn't trying to make it into LA or make it into a trend or a fucking hashtag. And it just felt really safe. That's the only way I can say it. I, yeah, I think for sure. he felt like family. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really nice. So that's my love affair with James. Yes. I love it. <laughs> that is very funny though. I was just thinking about our Airbnb and I was like, yeah, the most fun projects are like the outdoor shower, the fire pit. Like we're constantly like creating areas to, you know, relax and just be one with the stars and all that. Right. But, but what's the number one thing our guests always ask for Airbnb? Hey, how fast is your Wi-Fi? Yeah. It's like, and who then, cares? Yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> Yeah, we were always like, we had these one guests that stayed with us and they were so sweet and so cute. And then they wrote in the review, we wish we had enjoyed the outdoor amenities. They were here on like a video game conference. So they were just inside playing video games all day. Yeah, they were doing like a competition thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, you missed it. You missed it. (laughs) You missed the whole experience. (laughs) Damn, that sucks. That does. So going to, uh, we talked about in the last episode during the commentary about how this was the first time I'd really put my career under the microscope, which I'll, I'll just tie in the city of LA into the career because for me, they yeah. were synonymous and one and the same. And um, I think that is part of the beautiful Joshua Tree experience. It's very similar, ironically, to what everyone went through in quarantine. You're in solitude and that forces you to confront a lot of things in your life for people during quarantine it was hey am I happy with where I live and what I've the space I've created and for me coming out here it it really was to just extract myself from this toxic city that was toxic for me and to actually see what about it was so toxic and how it was affecting my life and more importantly how it was affecting just my general happiness and day-to-day disposition yeah that unbeknownst to me at the time was probably why I went into the sound bath like kind of trying to understand what I needed to feel fulfilled in my career and I don't think that it dawned on me that what I needed was to have a life outside of it right and so there was all this inner conflict and misunderstanding that I was going through and and struggling with and then I go into this sound bath which was really amazing I can't sing praises for sound baths enough please, please go. They're just so incredible. And so to have this like weird epiphany about a man was so fucking frustrating to me. I was like, really? Really? I'm a fucking statistic. (laughs) I'm one of those girls. Where did that stem from? Was that like a subconscious thought you were thinking of? It just popped out of nowhere. No, that's what I think was so strange about it. I keep saying it felt like it felt like a higher power. One of the things that's interesting is my therapist a long time ago when I had that first epiphany when I was on mushrooms about moving out here. Oh yeah. I told her, yeah, like I felt this like voice within or something. She basically told me, oh, that's your higher self. The way I heard it when she said it to me is I was like looking me down on your life, looking yeah. down at, at the globe, right? Like right. in space, looking at the world rotating and like that far out of a perspective. Right. Yeah. It's like those near-death experiences that you're floating in the room over your body. In fact, that's what I think I referenced in the commentary. So I think when I was in the sound bath, it was kind of a similar thing. It was like this voice from beyond 
um, where the scope was so far out, I was seeing things that I couldn't in my small little world of being a human. Yeah, you were trapped. Yeah. So I think I was looking for one thing and it was just like this other awareness came. I was ending the point of being fully healed in the romantic sector of life to where those channels were open now. I was like healthy or looking at things more healthily subconsciously. Whereas the other areas of my life were like that always had been my focus was romance. So maybe that is the question you're asking and I answered it wrong. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe deep, just so deeply subconsciously that was something I'd always prioritized was love and dating and things that I'd worked on that first. And so the channels were open, whereas all these other areas of my life, I hadn't done the work yet. So I don't think those channels were open no matter how much I wanted to get guidance. Correct. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I am just so glad we weren't in LA for the quarantine. Um, It was much nicer being out in fresh air and, you know, not stuck in our small apartments. Yeah. Um, But one of the most freeing things for me in LA, and I think that kept me more grounded there was I've always had a motorcycle, always. Mm -hmm. And like going to work every day, it would take me 20 minutes to get anywhere in the city because you just lane split in California. You know, you don't have to be stuck in traffic, which was such like a a calming, amazing thing. Cause I'd show up and people would just be pissed at work because you know, they'd been sitting in traffic it's for an true. hour and a half or two. And it's like, do you remember the day that we rented or yeah, did we rent? Yeah. We rented a bike and you, you took me around the city. Oh yeah. And, we and that like, was your first time. Dude, like, we yeah. fucking went from like Malibu to downtown to Santa Monica in like an hour. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. if I had experienced Los Angeles on a bike, you know, penning, I never got into any accidents. Oh, I got plenty of It those. was so yeah. much better. Yeah. Like, I loved it's, it. Well, it's freeing. You you don't have to, you know, be stuck listening to mm-hmm. music or podcasts or being on the phone with people. You're literally just zenning out, focusing in your own head. You, you yeah. know, free with your thoughts. It's so magical. So there's something I wanted to ask you. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't feel... Like it was my business to talk about. Did you want to talk about your ex and and all that? Yeah, I don't want to go into it too much, but it it got to the point where I couldn't get rid of this person. Like she, as much as I told her, hey, you know, we've fallen out of love. It's not working out. Like we're in two different places in life. And I, I had already basically come out to Joshua Tree. I was keeping my apartment in LA for a year or two, but by that point I was I was completely out and I couldn't I couldn't get her to stop calling me hundreds of times texting me you know hundreds of times a day and it got to the point that I had to get a restraining order and I am not that person I would never do that like she she worked in corporate jobs and stuff and I was like this is not what I want to do to you because every time you apply for a new job yeah that's going to pop record. up like she wouldn't go away and I was so calm and nice about it, but it got to a point that I was like, I, I need mental health. I need to stop, you know? This is hard, right? Because I've already recorded everything except for what we're doing right now yeah. and the follow-up to part two of this story. And it's very hard because I'm trying not to talk about certain things. Oh, that are coming up Yeah, so part, part two of this commentary for part two of this chapter, we'll mm. talk a lot more about that and the audition moment and you and me. And, oh, yeah. But in reference to what you just said, that is the commentary to chapter 18, I should call mm. it. 
And uh, I talk about this is why it's very important for people, not just women, but for people to really focus and prioritize getting healthy after a breakup. Yeah. Because the fallout from your lack of doing that can be abysmal. Like it can not only just affect your life in very serious ways, it'll affect others and it will get in the way of you getting the things that you want that make you happy. And it's so fascinating that that's why you and I wouldn't have worked out that night. Right. Like at the saloon, of course, because you didn't know that I was going through that and there was no way in hell I was getting into a relationship. And I didn't know what you were going through and why you were taking your space too. But yeah. we were both taking our space in our own ways. And that's I think why that's I think being in the right place at the right time. Right. Unbeknownst to either of us. Which was the episode that Kevin hasn't yet listened to about um, Under the Microscope, the gynecologist, that the whole emphasis of that story was about timing and thinking about where you want to be in life. I thought it was about vaginas. Uh, that comes into play. Okay. All right. Good. good. <laughs> but, Keep um, me but yeah, timing is an interesting thing. And um, I'm with you. I don't think it would have worked out at that point. But that's what was really fascinating because when James said to me, oh, you know, he really needs somebody to, to help him pull him out of his funk. That is what I'd been going through. Like Kirk and I were in this great relationship for all intents and purposes, except it was super complacent and I didn't feel like anyone was choosing me, including myself. I didn't feel like a priority. I didn't feel appreciated. I didn't feel... You were always pulling him out of his funk or... Yes. I was always working overtime to try to make relationships work. And I was so tired. So that was like the nail in the coffin when James said that. I was like, nope, nope. that's what I oh, always no. do. I'm done with that shit. And what's interesting to think is if it had been one relationship earlier, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I can fix that. I right. think that's how so many girls think. And that plays into how we were raised as girls, right? It's always yeah. make everyone else feel comfortable. Do things for other people. Right. Be a good girl. Sugar spice and everything nice. And meanwhile, you're trying to help yourself out, but also no, taking on somebody else's you're not. burden. That's my point, oh. is you then neglect yourself in lieu mm. of doing that instead. And that's right. like the disservice that we do when we raise girls. I've always been like, no, raise your girl the same way you would raise a boy. Is it's like, go and, and watch movies about finding your destiny, your purpose, fulfilling your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is not to find a man. Your purpose in life is to figure out who you are and what your contribution to the world is. And then everything else feeds into that. That's a part of your life and your journey. But that's not the way girls are raised. No. It's just subliminally speaking. Well, it's a fairy tale. Correct. Right? Like everything's a fairy tale. Yeah. And I think when you're in a healthy relationship, that fairy tale can work out. Because just like I like doing things for you because it gives me purpose and satisfaction. And same with you doing things like for me. You do it to make yourself feel better, but also be there for a partner, right? And that, that's healthy. But when you are constantly like trying to pull somebody out of a mm-hmm. rut, what you're doing for them isn't fulfilling you at all. Oh my oh. gosh. That's Thank Finn you. having a dream. Oh my God. That was the <laughs> cutest little noise ever. That's our local coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my therapist would call that interdependency. That's what we mm-hmm. want to achieve. And most people have codependency, which is terrible. Right. And, yeah. you know, statistically speaking, most women have codependency, which yeah. is... makes you resentful of doing things to help somebody because you're getting nothing out of it and you're destroying your own mental health. Yeah. So the... we'll put a pin in that and we'll continue the commentary for part two because there's, there's a lot more to talk about, but we'll circle back around to the point of the audition, your ex-girlfriend and 
also that interdependency versus codependency thing and the resentment. So cool. I'm excited to listen to this next one. Yeah. So part two. This um, last one of the season. This last. You are commentary with me. No, the next episode. Okay, so this one's coming out today's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then part two with you and I will come mm-hmm. out on Friday. Okay. And then the last episode of the season will be coming out the following week, the week of Christmas. Uh, oh, so Christmas. Merry Christmas, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Merry um, Okay, Christmas. so so that's it. Sorry, this was kind of like a little bit of a cock tease for like the thick of the real meaty. <laughs> that's another cock joke. <laughs> meaty uh, conversation coming up Vaginas on Friday, as I said. Yeah, what did you say to me this morning? Which oh, you woke up and you were, I was like, oh, are you stiff? Because like my oh. back hurt and everything. And Kevin was like, oh, I see what you mean by stiff. So then I was like, oh, do you have a heart on? And then I was like, wait, I don't talk like that. Erection? Nope, I don't talk like that either. And I was like, oh, is your dick hard? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, yeah. And then what did you say? My, the, my the world, world Trade Center. <laughs> one World Trade Center. Your One World Trade Center. Yeah, one trade. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. I was like, oh, good one. (laughs) So as much as I talk about growing up and becoming an adult, I'm still very infantile in a lot of ways, like like penis jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. Okay, that's it for this episode. Uh, We'll see you guys back here on Friday, and we will conclude this conversation in a more deep and meaningful, less penis-filled way. Yeah. Much love, everyone. (laughs) Consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. We'll see you Friday. Bye.